and this is Talking Pictures, our weekly review of movies and film. I'm Hollis Monroe, and our starter today is Scott the Amazing Chrisman, who's coming in to clean up the batting order, as it were, for Mr. Film Brown. Hello, everyone. And home again, virtually, is our former resident film guru, our film guru emeritus from sunny Florida, Mr. Denny Lynch. Hi there, everybody. Uh, it's been nice to be able to go to movies and have some interesting stuff out there to take up our time. Well, we're going to start it off with, um, this is another um, racing biopic. And there have been, like uh, Ford versus Ferrari, for example, there have been some very, very excellent um, uh, takes on the racing world as of late. And this one I hear is no exception to that rule. Yeah, uh, it explores the the racing world once again. Though I would caution that this is not a not a car movie. It's not a racing movie. Don't let the title fear uh, fool you. It is definitely about the man, and it is it's uh, centers around Enzo Ferrari, and it's a biopic, and a biopic in a way that is almost a, a slice of life, nearly a snapshot considering the life of the of the man entirely because it covers, I believe, only three months. And so it's very much a microcosm. But they're able to draw in a lot of things within that because of the way various parts of his life affect the events of what's happening right then. And this is uh, directed by Michael Mann, who we know from various things. Of oh, yes. And my old school Miami Vice. Uh, stars Adam Driver as Enzo Ferrari and Penelope Cruz as his wife, uh, Laura, I believe. And it is a biopic, but definitely about the man. The car is present, and it's beautiful. Uh, They have several different variations that they made uh, copies of because these are things you can't really drive around. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I think Driver said there was one they were near, I don't know what capacity it was used, but it was $70 million worth of car. Oh, my <laughs> so word. So that's not one you're driving around anywhere. Uh, but they, they look beautiful. Um, it's a, a snapshot of just a few months around a race that he really needs to do well in as a company. And he's running five cars, uh, and though they obviously have you know, a challenging road race. You're going to have some problems. Uh, they have a lot of different... Um, uh, mechanical issues here and there. I think that's something Ferrari was known for, especially in the races, because they talk about uh, the Maserati team, I think, says, well, don't worry, only a couple of these cars are going to finish. Most of them are going to break down on their own. So oh they my. do they do really well until they don't. Uh, and that it also uh, captures the brutality of the racing world in 1957. There's hardly any, um, there's very few safety anything uh, we see some some folks get killed rather blue, brutally, uh, even in practice. Uh, there's no real seat belts. People get tossed out of cars. Uh, it's very much like a, a go kart on some thin wheels <laughs> sometimes, <laughs> uh, and that's you know the precursor to Formula One. So that the larger, wider cars do a little better, but there's still it's just a very much they speak about death being present near them all the time, and it's definitely a concern. So most of the um, movie revolves around Enzo's relationships with various groups in his life, including uh, his wife, uh, his, some of his employees, certainly his drivers. Uh, we explore a little bit of his uh, son who has died several years beforehand. 
and also the relationship he maintains with his mistress, played by Shailene Woodley, and their uh, son together, who is kind of unknown to at least the wife and some of the community. <laughs> Though they start going through the list, and it sounds like there are several people who know who this person is. Um, so mostly it's a, it's exploration of relationships and how he's trying to keep his company together, how his marriage is basically falling apart, uh, his mistress who can't really have a public relationship with him in the way that they would like. Uh, so it's about a human being who's got some definite flaws but is so solely focused on racing. And they discuss several times that Ferrari is built, uh, they sell production cars so they can keep racing. It's not about building the cars as a saleable brand in his mind. He just wants to win, win races. And he enters the uh, Milaminia, which is a notorious race, having to win, doesn't he, to save his company? Yep. They are in dire financial straits because he is unconcerned about the business part of it. And his wife uh, is responsible in some way for that. And his, his accountants are telling him, we got to have money. you got to sell more cars. And they talk about... They've only sold 98 cars or something that year. He thought, oh, we sold probably 200. <laughs> oh, no, we've only sold 98. And his accountant says, we've got to sell something like 400 to really get in a position where you need to be. And he's unconcerned. He just wants to run races. The business side doesn't interest him at all. Uh, so it's an it's a interesting exploration of the man. I wish they had more backstory. That was the major drawback for me, that it only covers this three months. And they're able to weave a lot of pieces into that just based on the things that are affected. And they do a couple of little flashbacks, a couple of little things. That just, But it's mostly it's in conversation of this happened, that happened, and here are my feelings about this thing from before. I would really like to see a prequel. And it makes me want to watch a, a documentary on Enzo's life to learn more about the early start of things. But... Coming out of World War II, uh, he's kind of lost and looking for some direction. So I'd love to see the younger version of this man as well. Uh, but they do a good job with this. Uh, it's a very well-captured era of 1957 Italy. It feels very bright and exciting, certainly during the racing. And the, the lovely Ferrari Red is present in a lot of uh, spaces. But there's also kind of a somber mood to a lot of it as he navigates relationships he hasn't really maintained and it's kind of cold um my my kids thought uh he's kind of a jerk so yeah i i guess so i mean he's solely for as a as an engineer he would be or you'd think of as someone who's really focused on their career and their particular uh vocational parts rather than maintaining his relationship uh also my my kids agreed for the first times drivers actually kind of hidden Usually it's like, oh, it's Adam Driver in every scene because he's not that disguisable. But they do a good job of, with the makeup and a little bit of prosthetics maybe, making him look closer to Enzo Ferrari. So I, I thought it was, that was good. Um, production design is beautiful. Uh, and the recreation of the cars and the racing experience, I thought, really puts you in the driver's seat and makes you feel like you're part of the race. But if you're going for racing and that experience go watch Ford versus Ferrari again, because that's more the movie you're looking for. This is a biography of a chunk of a man's life that is very connected to racing. But I wouldn't say it's the same way Ford versus Ferrari is the racing sort of storyline. Uh, give it a B. Uh, it's in theaters currently. All right. Great character study, it sounds mm -hmm. like. Very much so. Denny, 
This is the uh, third swing that uh, cinema has taken at this uh, particular character, uh, Roald Dolls, Wonka. And um, this actually is about the younger uh, life of uh, the character. Good point. I hadn't thought of it that way. You're right. Um, a creative young fellow moves to a big city where he wants to open a chocolate factory and store. Is roams the world looking for ways to make chocolate treats that deliver more than just a flavor. Unfortunately, there's an evil cartel in town that controls the making and distribution of such foods. Of course. And they object to an interloper breaking their triopoly on the project. Mm. Will Willie win? Well, we already know the answer to that since there are already two sequels to <laughs> the same story. But the fun here is seeing how he accomplishes that mission. This is a delightful and well-constructed story based on the world created by Roald Dahl. It was directed by Paul King, who also directed both of the delightful Paddington films. Oh, yes. He's a perfect choice here, staying safely in that kind of whimsical tone needed for this story. Timothy Chalamet is an excellent choice to play Wonka. He brings charm, wit, and a nice singing voice to the character. I saw an interview with him where he talked about uh, doing the singing for this film was way harder than any of the action scenes they had to do for the Dune movies. <laughs> <laughs> there are three songs carried over from the Gene Wilder, Gene Wilder original and seven original songs here by Jody Talbot that are just as singable with clever words, wordplay sprinkled throughout. The sporting cast is also top-notch with actors such as Olivia Coleman, Keegan-Michael Key, Jim Carter, who was the butler on Downton Abbey. Oh, yeah. Sally Hawkins and Rowan Atkinson as a corrupt priest. And finally, Hugh Grant, brilliant as mischievous Oompa Loompa. The film looks great and moves along nicely, ending at just under two hours. It's a great film for kids, for fans of musicals and fantasies, and fans of Roald Dahl's universe. One warning, however, you will leave the theater with a mad craving for some chocolate <laughs> i figured you've seen another film as well um and this one that i heard we were talking about it earlier and it sounds like a mashup of um frankenstein meets pygmalion and you added a third to that that i find just fascinating i forgot what it was uh, <laughs> do you <laughs> there'll be a mystery um I do want to recommend a very strange movie to the adventurous members of this audience. Poor Things is a sexy, funny, ambitious, feminist, horror, science fiction, steampunk connection that will intrigue, challenge, titillate, puzzle, and involve you in its grandiose story and settings. I think the three leads, Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe, will all be nominated for Oscars in next year for their complete involvement and dedication to these strange characters. Wow. Look also, I think, for nominations for art direction, music, sound, costuming, hairstyling, visual effects, makeup, adaptation, screenplay, direction, and best picture. I liked it a lot. Um, director Yorgos Lanthimos has made another very strange masterpiece here, adapting the novel, which I've not read. Sadly, the author, Alistair Gray, passed away two years ago and never got to see this version of his story. It's funny, scary, grotesque, elegant, visually splendid, and thoughtful in its treatment of these characters and their story. There is also a considerable amount of nudity and what they call furious humping along the way, 
with interesting commentaries <laughs> on the power and nature of sexuality. This is one of those rare films that demands to be seen on a big screen. If you wait to watch it on TV, you may regret it. I haven't been this impressed by a film like this for a long time. Wow. And yes, we were describing it as Frankenstein meets Pygmalion meets the best little whorehouse in Texas. So this is, yeah, yeah this, <laughs> this is the most unique film. Poor things. You might want to check that out too, folks. Thank yes, you very much, you. Denny. You're welcome. Folks, we want to know what you're watching. Tell us what you're giving thumbs up or thumbs down. Our email address is talkingpics at kcck.org.